from the Rams HR office where Stan Kroenke is prepping the firing papers. It's from the Hawks Nest. <laughs> from the Seahawks Nest, Nathan. And we are Oh my gosh, I did it again. Too. And I didn't catch it, but you caught it. Yeah, so I man. think I said I have to give that person a sticker. So you get a sticker to this podcast. I don't know what you're going to... What, you, what do you want to do with it? Man, just uh, make me a chart. You're a teacher. Make me a little chart. Put a sticker next to my name. Put Maybe the, I'll get one in week three. Put the From the Hawks Nest stickers on a sticker. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get a sticker week one. I get one week two. Knowing my school but grades. You know, if you, you, if you, you earn enough, sticker, five, if you sticker. enough stickers this season, you can turn in for a pencil. You, <laughs> you stole the sticker from one of our listeners right there. How does it feel? You took that sticker right out of their pocket. Beautiful. That's how I did it in school. All one, all one hundred. I'm gonna. I'll say all one hundred of our listeners. They are so mad at you. One hundred and sixty-two. Thank you very much. I, I'm gonna say some people listen more than once. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that there's like fifty hardcore fans that listen twice. We are infringing on sports radio talk territory right now. You know. Here's you know what? Thing, in this podcast, we have the time to do that. Not like, <laughs> not like the other podcast. You know, here's the thing. I. Would expect no less from Eric, the man so cold-blooded, he ended the Rams season in the third quarter Man, uh, with his Your Season Is Over article. Man, this is maybe a little inside baseball, but like two weeks ago when Jared Goff got named the third string starter for St. Louis, I was like, Eric, you got to write a Your Season Is Over in the preseason for Jared Goff. You got to do it. It's going to be so great. You got to do it. And like... Now, now we did. We, I wish that article existed. Like, here's the thing, like, and this again, this is for the listeners. You get a little peek into our world. Like, Kevin has a, a schedule. We need. We're going to release it on these days. The articles on this day. The podcast on this day. And last night, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, I got to write that article. That's due tonight. Oh man, I got to. Whose season is over? So I'm looking over the records and I'm just like, Is it? It's got to be Tennessee. Is it Chicago? It's Cleveland, Tennessee, Chicago. Well, and I just keep looking up at the TV and I'm like. This game's awful. Who's is it? Tennessee? Is it Chicago? And I was like, Oh, it's the Rams. This is <laughs> like legitimately. Case Keenum had sixty-one yards passing. I don't have any yards passing. However, I want to point out I don't have any interceptions, <laughs> and I haven't taken any sacks. This is I. I think I'm better than Case Keenum at this point. And his yards per attempt were only three point seven more Dear than yours. Lord, that's worse than the new Thursday Night Seahawks uniforms, which we're going to talk about. Uh, hey, yeah, welcome. It's a, it's a rush. <laughs> <laughs> it's action. It's rush. action rush. Uh, welcome back to From the Seahawks Nest. This is the week two edition. Wait, it's not From the Seahawks Nest. It's just The Seahawks Nest. I like that you were trying to give a sticker back to the listeners, though. Oh, man, I lost my sticker. This rebranding is going. The thing is, it's funny is we did it perfect in the preseason, and now the regular <laughs> season has started. It's just a, it's just a night. We, you know, we in are the fitting Rams. Seahawks fashion, we're off to a slow start this season, but we'll pick it up yeah. by about week eight or nine. Yeah, and then we're just going to be amazing and flawless. I would like to uh, introduce you guys after the amazing 12 to 10 thrashing of the Miami Dolphins. Kevin Garber to my right, Nathan Santo to my left. I'm Eric Ronnebeck. Gentlemen, 12 so to 10. Me, wait, since I'm to your left and Kevin's to your right, does that make me the clown and him the Joker? Or is it the other way around? I can't <laughs> no, remember. No, that makes I. I'm the Joker's to the left. Uh, clowns, clowns to the left, left of me and Joker's so to I'm the clown. Right. I'm the clown. Yeah, I'm the Joker. Right. I'm always just stuck make, in the middle. Just to make sure we're straight on that one. Yeah, like a like a Indomitian Sioux tackle, we are guaranteed Speaking to of hurt that someone. Indomitian Sioux tackle. Is there more clickbait garbage than people being like posting <laughs> articles that were like Indomitian Sioux steps on Russell Wilson's ankle, and it's like watch the friggin' play. It was an accident. Like they're trying to make people think that he did it again. You know, where he's stepping on stomping. Oh, man, on hey people. man, the guy has the guy has his his reputation, and it's fair or unfair. It's been at least like four or five games since the last time he pulled something like that. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, and what, uh, Clay Matthews, it's it's only been like 46 hours. Yeah, but he's white. (laughs) (laughs) You got that right. Uh, So yeah, 12 to 10 Seahawks victory. Man, it happened exactly how we thought it would. Can we start calling Clay Matthews white Vontez perfect? Is that allowed? Sure. Okay. I'm going to allow that. Mainly because I just love the name Vontez perfect. Like, way to screw up two names. Uh, so, <laughs> where do you gentlemen want to start? You want to go into offense? Or you want to go defense? Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer this to you. Where you want to start? Oh, let's start with offense because we received the kick. Okay, if we're going offense, you know, I I want to do it first because I don't want to dwell on it too much. Russell Wilson feeling perfectly fine apparently after uh, extending his ankle the opposite way that you usually turn it. Yeah, high ankle sprain is what they're saying. Yeah, and apparently he's gonna be fine this weekend. We can get into that when it, when it's preview time, but. You know, the Seahawks are always a slow-starting team, 
and for Russell Wilson to hurt his ankle and then come out in the second half and not really be able to move, things were not looking good. There are two ankles that will determine the outcome of of this game, and one belongs to Russell Wilson and the other belongs to Jermaine Effetti. I was going to say Steph, Steph, Stephen Hauschka. No. <laughs> Hauschka was pretty... pretty uh, all of, oh, I guess he's fine in this House game. is always good. Yeah, yeah. Fetty was a late scratch. I mean, not, not right up to I the mean, minute. I mean, it was like 50-50 heading into the game, and as it got closer, it seemed like that went down to like 10-90. Yeah, it went from yeah. probable to doubtful. Uh, I guess with Russell Wilson getting hurt, where were you guys in this game? Were you like put in Boykin, put in Russell? Uh, just let Kristen Michael run the offense. What were you guys thinking when Boyke, or when Russell could not step in to that throw on that first uh, when he went to kind of take off and then he took a step and went to throw it away and couldn't step into the throwaway when he when he hobbled on the handoff on that first drive. I was like, can we just put in Boykin to run some zone read or something? Yeah, just because I don't want Russ to pop a ligament and end our season. Yeah, I am. Um... I actually was fine with it just from the perspective of like it says a lot to the team and stuff because I think Russell Wilson sometimes there's this there's this thought that you know the the whole locker room sees him as this just kind of corny uh team first he talks for the the front office kind of guy and I think it puts him it puts him clearly in like that okay this is definitely our leader and I I like this message it sends even if it's maybe not the best for from a uh wisdom standpoint you know maybe it'd be wiser to just play boykin and let russell wilson rest to not risk injury i like it from a uh, team perspective it does a lot i think it does a lot from there and i know that's stupid and like non x's and o's and very against no. things i normally care about i was about, about to say Statman nate going with the intangibles yeah, yeah take- but i i really think that that was it was important you know i i think that's an excellent excellent observation uh, with not being able to run the read option, it definitely made our offense look like it did in the preseason, which was not awesome. And that's without Russ being able to throw. Kevin, how do you... Uh, this obviously affected the running game. You know, uh, there's a running gag between uh, myself on Twitter representing the uh, Seahawks Nest and the Seahawks cover guy for Cover 32. We have this running gag about the fact that Daryl Bevel, uh, Cover 32 put out on Twitter... That they wish they loved anything as much as Daryl Bevel loves runs up the middle on first down. <laughs> to which my response was, "What about what about bubble screens to receivers that can't run after the catch? What about what about how much Mike Holmgren loves fullback draws on third and long? Yeah, yeah, it's the, just the ultimate Holmgren play. Hey. So many things to cry about. <laughs> and you know that was the whole thing was in the post game press conference." Pete talked about the commitment to the run game and the number of carries, and he's right. The carries were there. I mean, Michael had 15 carries. Rawls had 12. There was a total of 96 yard or 98 yards. Um, Procise had what, two carries? Procise had one carry okay. before he went down with injury. Um, he had a, a wrist and an elbow. And so there were 27 running back carries, which is a solid number. You know, they're almost 100 yards. But... There's a second stat that I think that's going to be really important on this, and that is there were 34 running backs who took a couple of rushes in week one. Out of those 34 running backs, Kristen Michael had two yards before contact. Rawls had 1.33 yards before contact. Those are the 20th and 29th best in yards before contact. That means that our offensive line was not blocking for them. And if you looked... There was a sickening number of plays where the middle was blocked and the defensive ends were crashing in and tackling from behind in the one gap. So you had Kristen Michael trying to run between the guard and the center and you had Cameron Wake or Mario Williams coming around the play, beating the tackle and tackling the running back from behind in the hole still. That should not happen. Cameron, yeah. the, uh, the the thing about it, too, is that our tackles, these are really, really good defensive ends. So I don't want to harp on them too bad because these two defensive ends could be a lot of tackle pairings in the NFL. But I do foresee this being a big problem because of how they were getting beat. And it was just so definitively. They're either getting pushed back and ruining the gaps that the other players are creating or they're just getting ran around 
which is you got to do something, especially in a zone read scheme. You just got to do something to the guy that you're supposed to block. You can't just let him affect you. You have to affect him in some way. It's very proactive like that. Well, there are like the four or five times where Soul held. Yeah. That was something besides just getting beat. Right. He held. And had about 25 net running yards called back because of it. And talk about penalty yards. I mean, Seahawks had a ton of penalties in this game. Eight penalties. It's just really it's frustrating to, that that's what we're coming back to again. We're the most penalized team in the NFL over the last... I don't know how many years now, and it's just it continues to be a problem. Us giving up bad penalties on a lot of plays, or good play happens and it's taken back. It's what we've done, you know, since we had uh, Bruno Giacomini. I mean, we we do this all the time, and it it shoots us in the foot. It seems like a lot of it is on the offensive line. I do want to give praise to Justin Britt because he looked like preseason Justin Britt, which is brand new Justin Britt. However, Kevin, your boy Glowinski, not the best game. He was like above average. You know, Eric, I'm going to call you out because you're getting lumped in with the ringer. Ooh, the ringer misappropriately. Don't lump me with the ringer. Well, because they refer to him as Gary Glowinski, oh. which is some horrible hybrid of Gary Gilliam and <laughs> Glowinski. Don't, which re- is, don't rely on BuzzFeed Simmons to report anything accurately. Come on. Well, and that's the thing is they called out Glowinski because of the numbers that Sue put up because Sue put, got a lot of pressure. But the fact of the matter is... The rush on the outside was forcing Russ to step up in the pocket. And the fact of the matter is, there was a pocket to step up into, and that's because of the interior line play. Glowinski can't be expected to hold a tackle the caliber of Ndamukong Sue for that long. The fact of the matter is that he, along with Britt, effectively got in the way and played Sue long enough where if the tackles could hold at all, there should have been some time. Yeah, I agree that... If, if in an under normal circumstances he played good enough against Nadam Kongsu to be passable, like I would have gave him like a solid C plus. Yeah. I wouldn't say like, oh, he was so great. You know, we should get. No, he didn't like dominate Dama Kong Su or anything. Dama Su played really good in this game, and Glowinski did some stuff to slow him down. He didn't stop him. He slowed him down a little bit, which is about all you can ask. He looked like uh, a slightly I, above average guard. I'm pretty sure against a lesser competition. Which isn't going to start this week, although Aaron Donald looked like garbage against San Francisco. Uh, the, <laughs> the, which is which is a weird thing to say because Aaron Donald's awesome. Uh, but against maybe lesser competition, he will he will really go back to shining. And with a Fetty, if a Fetty comes back next week, I really think the interior of the line is going to go back to being the best part of our team. Well, I'm not trying to on offense to really pack on Glowinski here. I just there were there were a couple of plays where Glowinski got beat hard, and yep. one was not by Sue. It just you know, like when he ran into Russell, it was shades of old Justin Britt. And I know that Glowinski played a much better game than Britt ever did at guard or tackle. But it was just something I wanted to throw let's, out there. Cause let's I just say, though, Glowinski. giving up three sacks against this defense is about as good as it gets. They're, they're going to get a lot of sacks. This is They got three 10-sack guys on their defensive line. Over the last six years, Mario Williams has the most sacks of anyone in the NFL. Yeah. They, get, this, they are going to get sacks. Cameron Wake is great. Ndamukong Sue is great. Also, I mean, again, week one overreactions, but with the way that the Rams looked, their defensive line, this amazing defensive line, how they looked last night, it makes me wonder if like Miami is one of the top two defensive lines we're going to play all year. I think they're one of the top five easily defensive lines in all of football, but what you saw was when the... Seahawks ran tempo. You saw how thin that D line was for Miami because they got tired. Yeah, and when the Seahawks ran tempo, they could make plays. And, and, the, never... sec- and the secondary is bad too. So if the defensive line is not getting home, like that, then you're in trouble. The problem the Seahawks had is they couldn't convert on third downs. We we're five of sixteen on third downs, which is pretty rough uh, in terms of offense. And I mean, it was I like that we stayed aggressive and we went for it on fourth down. I think that actually might be the difference in the game. The two for three we went on fourth down is probably why we won, to be mm-hmm. honest. The other thing that could have been the difference, though, was Russell Wilson making the worst throw of his career. Yeah, that interception. <sighs> Oof, Before he got one. injured, too. Like, why not just throw that ball away? Why Why chuck it up when they're – I don't even know who was in the area. There was one guy, but there were three Dolphins. There were people easily. in the area, but that was just a pure panic play from having to run for his life for a quarter. Do you think he was trying to throw it out of bounds and he just goofed? It's hard to say. It was such yeah. a panic play because of the way everything was. That's why I ask because he's not a panic guy. Like, Russell is not a panic guy. But he doesn't usually get chased around like that. I mean, those tackles, it was jailbreak on every down for probably the first qu- quarter, quarter and a half. 
Yeah, and that's again with him getting injured, it was it was really hard for us to move the ball until we finally did. Uh, anymore, when we ran tempo, but yeah. Daryl Bevel doesn't like to bring the tempo it's, up for zero reasons. Well, he wants to wait. He wants to he wants to plan this thing out. And he wasn't able to do it because Russ was injured. I'd like to believe that. But when he finally did, or or if Russ did, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that with a healthy Russ, this is a 14-point win. Does the Hauschka missed extra point bother you guys? He's missed he's missed quite a few extra points. Like, in the last... I think he missed four last year, and he missed one today. Is is this just a product of the new extra point thing? Or is, is like, something about the way they line up on that? Because... I don't think he's missed four under 40-yard field goals in the last, like, three years, but he's missed four extra points and then one already this year. I think we've had some long snapping issues. I think we've had some issues with blocking along the line. And I think both of those play into that fact because that is exactly right. I mean, he's money in so many situations, and you would think extra points would be the same, but it's not. The special team blocking is a concern, but I chalked that miss up to let's just, you know, give Eric a heart attack. Because, yeah. like, with that with that at the time, I was like, okay, here it is. We're just going to nail it nail in the coffin. And then that happened, and I was like, yeah. 49, I just looked it up, 49 yards or less. Hauschka has missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine field goals since he's become a Seahawk. And then he missed he's missed five extra points. Which is uh, since, wow. they, since they instituted the new rule just last year. That's a lot of misses from those dis- from that distance comparative to what we had to expect before. You know, we have a five year sample of him bar- barely missing any. Oh. I wonder if it's lining up like like you said. I wonder if it's like where they line up, and is he lining up where he should be? Like maybe he doesn't like the hash mark. Like a certain. I would, that'd be interesting to know. Like or maybe what hash he mark. thinks he should. And yeah, so like he's everyone too else comfortable lines up with on it. the same hash, so he should do it. But maybe he should be lining up like direct center, or maybe just a little bit. And he's off. not even hooking these things; he's booting them left. It's really weird. Yep, it's it's not like it's curving. He's it's just push. It's, yeah, it's like, like he's, he's pulling, pulling it or yeah. pushing it. Yeah, like he's misaiming. All right, let's, uh, gentlemen, let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball. Yay! I want to talk. I want to talk about our amazing defense. And uh, wow, you know. I was in the offseason, I was really upset that we didn't re-sign Bruce Irvin. I felt like that was a contract we could afford. And uh, in, the pre- you know. in the preseason, man, Cassius Marsh looked really good. But in this game, Cassius Marsh, right? Frank Clark and Cassius Marsh are probably each both individually better than Bruce Irvin right yeah. now. They both got a sack in this game. They both played great. Cassius Marsh was the, the star, though. Absolutely, and real. I want to say Frank Clark's sack, like that, just looked like cerebral play at its best. He found the hole. He knew where to go. Yeah, he just assassinated. Yes, the exactly. I legitimately thought that was Cliff Averill until he popped up, and I yes. saw the slight difference in jersey numbers. I did too. Which is a which is a great compliment yeah. to pay someone. You know, I've been riding this Cassius Marsh train for a couple of years. I've been super hyped on him since he came out of UCLA. He's just one of those people where his raw physical tools. Where something that intrigued me, but I actually thought he was going to be like a defensive end, defensive tackle, because he came out of high school as a D tackle. And, you know, he, I didn't know about him playing in space. I didn't know about his ability to slim down, but the man just looks fast. Yeah. yeah he's a, he is he's a, all that, over the field. He's a sideline to sideline D end. Great athlete. Super good athlete. He's this, an athlete. <laughs> and this is what the Seahawks do. You know, we, they draft players. And you don't hear about him for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden you remember this name, and you're like, "Oh, didn't we draft him a couple of years ago?" And that guy becomes a stud. Someone like I mean, a Jeremy Lane. It's been on the pass rush. Obviously, Bennett and Averill get sacks. We have five sacks total. But the linebackers really got home on all their blitzes. Wagner got rushes. KJ Wright got a sack, which is like not a KJ Wright thing. So <laughs> the linebackers actually looked really, really, really good. Like in terms of when we blitzed, because when you blitz, you got to get home. If you don't get home on a blitz, you're going to get burned. And they got home on those blitzes. I was going to ask Chris Richard dialing up blitzes more. What do you think this means for our defense? Because we're we're all about sending four, but this game, Bobby Wagner. If you look over the last, basically over his career, but especially the last three years, Bobby Wagner is one of the most efficient blitzing linebackers as far as getting home when he does blitz. Yeah, he gets a it's a hurry almost every time he blitzes. And so that's a big weapon. And then we talked about that nickelback blitz, which we didn't see in this game, but we talked about that weapon that's out there. I think this is almost like an addition by subtraction. The old Patrick Ewing theory, 
that <laughs> by losing Bruce they, Irvin they and not having, Simmons. right? But in all seriousness, by not having Bruce Irvin as this person we feel that we have to use in the pass rush, it's creating more, it's, it's allowing for more creative blitz packages that I think will allow us to really attack an offense in different ways. So you're saying we have variety in our attack scheme. Yeah, that we didn't really have as much. The thing, and the, you know, obviously rushing with four is the gold standard. You want to rush with four, but sometimes you want to bring pressure from areas they don't expect. And you want to, and you want to out scheme your opponents. And that's what we did. We tried to out scheme them and get pressure by through scheme as opposed to getting pressure through just putting four guys down on the line and going. And that's why, that's why I think that what we did was interesting. Cause you're right. It's different than what we have done in the past. In the past, we just play a zone and we rush four guys and it's basically the same play every single time. Yeah. Uh, this time was different. Earl Thomas. Can we talk about Earl Thomas? Please do. Let's talk about Earl Thomas. Is something wrong with Earl Thomas? Do you guys, he did not look like the Earl Thomas we know and love. He was like half a Brian Russell on those whiffs. Yeah, he was missing tackles, missing plays. He only had two tackles in this game. He was out of position on that, uh, on the deep throw that almost happened. Yeah, the Kenny Stills play. Yeah, the the Kenny Stills should have, should have won the game. That should have broken our back. That should have been the game, uh, like that would have ended the game. Like we couldn't score in this game. That coverage was so busted though, I can't really honestly tell who was out of position there. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, they didn't replay it. Earl was the guy trying to cover for it. Yes. And that's, honestly, that's what Earl does. I mean, Earl is the leader and he, he takes that. That's why we love Earl. But I mean, there was that one whiff tackle. He was going to blow that guy up. I told a friend I was like, you know, I, I'm maybe he dialed it back because he would have murdered that guy. But remember, you know, Cam Cam gets this enforcer label because, you know, he hits very hard. But remember, when Earl hits people, he's the guy who injures people. He injured Eddie Lacy yeah. Yeah. in the game. Earl, like, Earl, Earl knows just, where to hit. Earl Cam's just, large and hits. Earl puts himself into su- it. He's such a sound, like, fundamental tackler that he doesn't just launch himself kind of like Cam does. Although, let's just say... Cam Chancellor got a penalty in this game for targeting. That was like the worst Ooh, call I've ever seen. It was such was a, a bad joke. targeting call. Uh, and the announcers even why, do it too. It's yeah. why targeting should be a booth review penalty like it is in college, right? So yes. like, they look at it and they say yes or no. Because after you saw the replay, you're like, obviously this is not targeting. Ob- and then same with the out-of-bounds hit. This is obviously not out-of-bounds hit. Like th- That stuff it gets the resolved. out-of-bounds hit was more egregious than the targeting in some ways. Yeah, and it was still not egregious. Like... The guy was barely out of bounds, and he like did, and he tried to pull up. You could see him pulling his arms up. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't lower his helmet. He's a two hundred and thirty five pound safety. He cannot stop on a dime. Yeah, the fact that he didn't just lay the guy out means that he wasn't going for a hit. And while we're here, uh, can't play. Can't play preseason. Cam can't play great though. Preseason Cam full full camp Cam Chancellor. That's the guy we want. Not last year's Cam Chancellor. Well, and did you notice how far down in the box he played most of the game? He was way down there at linebacker. We're back to doing what we did before with with ten in the box. Camps within five yards of the line of scrimmage somewhere. That's the best part about with the Cam within five yards is he's not always in the same spot. You know, it's not like oh he's always lining up on the right. Sometimes he's on the left. Sometimes in the middle. You know, he's he's moving around in the formation based on exactly what we need. And I, I, that's what makes our defense really special. Our defense is special when that's happening. So I'm really enjoying that. And I think Earl just kind of had an off game. Maybe he's a little, still a little injured. I'm not sure. It's, it's hard because we don't know the defensive play calling there. We don't know, you know, what was, what was a blitz? Who's coming forward? It'll be interesting to see. I think Earl's going to be fine. I've only got through the first quarter on the coaches film. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) One, one bit of praise I do, I do want to throw out there. And I brought this up in our little group chat we do during the game. And that's, you know, I I was like, I'm worried about our defense right now because I feel like we need that big play and we're not getting it. And I think either one of you two, Nathan or Kevin, you said, like, our defense is playing really well, though. And I guess my fear was is that our offense was not on the field very long. And when that happens, our defense just gets worn out and we give up these big plays. And we did not do that this time. Yeah, that's right. At the end of the day, we did end up with, uh, you know, 10 extra minutes of time of possession. So whatever we were doing on offense, it was bleeding the clock enough to stop our defense from getting tired. You know, it wasn't pretty, um, but we do we do this once or twice every year where we just win an ugly ass game and we just it, it's the end of the day we we come out with it. Well, and you know, I also have another bit of praise. I want to give some praise to two individuals who there were some doubters, Jeremy Lane 
Deshaun Shea. And Deshaun Shea yeah, yeah, played this. out of their minds. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're both going to be good. That's the, the three cornerbacks we're going to put on the field in most packages are all really good. Yeah, and very good. As long as they stay healthy, we're going to be set there. Well, and the fact of the matter is, what I loved about it was, and this is going to play real well against a lot of our opponents this year, Shed and Lane had this mentality where it's like, you can catch it if you want to catch out like a bubble screen, but we are going to light you up. And Lane and Shed both laid the wood. And Shed's not going to play for the interception. He's going to bat the ball. And that's fine because he's going to keep the big play from happening. Yeah. So I feel like Lane and Shed have me feel so solidified with these defensive backs. Our nickel is going to be one of the better nickel packages right, in all well, of football. So let's go one one level deeper, though, because this is an interesting thing that happened today. Uh, we cut... Uh, Daryl Simon, a lot of people are thinking it will end up being an injury waiver. Uh, we waived him. Uh, and we signed Nico Thorpe from, he's a big cornerback from the Raiders. He's six foot two, which mm-hmm. I, I was like, that's not that big for a cornerback. And then I looked up the heights of a bunch of cornerbacks and Kevin was right. That's big for a cornerback. Uh, <laughs> can't so doubt now, me on cornerbacks. He's a CFL guy. So now Nico Thorpe, yeah, yes. he played for the Argonauts. And Toronto. Then, uh, we, we have him and DeAndre Elliott. And then Tyvis Powell or Kelsey McRae, Stephen Terrell, like those are our other secondary guys. Who's the fourth cornerback that hits the field, Kevin? If, who do you think if we have four cornerbacks at once? Do we put McRae out there as kind of like a safety roamer? I think McRae out there probably is what they would most like to do unless we're facing one of those teams that has a speedy slot receiver guy. And then I think that you could put Tyvis Powell out there. Powell's huge too. He's 6'3", man. He's a big guy. Powell's huge, but he's a 4'4 guy. Yeah, he's fast. He's I, He's Powell an athlete. Powell has a lot of athletic talent, and I know that's why we kept him on the roster is to play special teams and, and like just be a great athlete. But I wouldn't mind seeing him hit the field in some of these packages at this point. And I'm not really sad to see Simon go, to be honest, because we've given him so many chances to succeed. We didn't think he was going to make it through the preseason roster. Yeah, Simon's a lot like Jordan Hill. He's one of those guys where he always felt like he could do something, but the body just couldn't hold up for it. And that's the tale of Simon on this team. His body could just never stay healthy long enough for him to be a solid contributor. And, you know, the roster's not that big. You got 53 guys. You need all of them to be able to play. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go into the big, uh, big, huge matchup against the offensive juggernaut? Or do we have any wait, more we want to do? Since we're talking about roster moves, let's go to Will oh, yeah. back. That's right. Tani Tapuo's gone. Um, I, Will Tukuafu obviously knows the offense, and they must have felt like they needed – that more than they needed the better, better, cheaper athlete. You think this move is coming? Like they already knew this move was coming? Or well, Rawls played fullback, and we never put uh, Tupo on the field. Yeah, that's so so, obviously something. Something they did not like what they saw from him. Something yep. was wrong. So I think they want the extra blocker on these run plays. I think that two yards per uh, yards without contact, one point three three yards without contact. They want to get a fullback in there to help kind of close out those inside runs. Well, and as as uh, Pete Carroll puts it, Chukwafu is a hammer in there. Like he gets in there, he is the hammer. Yeah, it's almost like you put a defensive tackle at fullback. Yeah, well, why not both? That's it. Uh, who are we going to cut when we re-sign Marshawn Lynch, who's coming back from retirement supposedly? Oh, who are the Raiders going <laughs> to cut? Why do people keep? Why does this keep happening? Why do people think that that is? A you thing? know, I was going to bring this. You up. You know, the only rumor I like less is this uh, Tavares Jackson rumor. Apparently, oh, we're going to sign him because Russ is hurt. Uh, uh, you know what I like? My favorite Marshawn Lynch thing. They used his dreads on that Bear Grylls show to start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was the one thing he was actually okay with too. Oh, my old lady going to kill me. <laughs> I watched that. I was so invested in that. All right, gentlemen, for the first time in 27 years, you can fact check me later on that, the Seattle Seahawks are headed to Los Angeles to play a professional football game. All right. And you know what? The Los Angeles Rams have not scored a point in 24 years. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> and they didn't score any last week. No, they didn't. That's right. So, uh, you know, week one is a crazy week in the NFL. And just because a team looks awful in week one doesn't mean they're going to be awful. But, man, that Rams team looked awful on every level. Okay, you want to talk about how awful the Rams were? Let's start with star star money wide receiver Tavon Austin. And I'm going to give you guys a, a Los Angeles Times report Nathan Tavon Austin. Nathan loves to hate Tavon Austin. All right, here we go. This is from by Gary Klein. Written September 11th, so you know he wrote this right before the game. The Rams purposely kept receiver Tavon Austin out of the Never mix forget. during the exhibition season, a ploy to prevent the San Francisco 49ers and other teams from collecting <laughs> scouting material. 
On Monday night at Levi Stadium, Austin is expected to play a central role for the Rams' offense and special teams in the season opener against the 49ers. Here comes a quote. They definitely used me the right way in the preseason, Austin said. Whatever happens Monday, that's for the world to see. Now, this is what the world saw. You guys ready? One rush, two yards, targeted 12 times. I was going to say he got, that was part of the game four plan. receptions. Wow. <laughs> 13 yards, a long reception of five. Tavon Austin, I just wanted to say, the world saw it, and you suck. <laughs> Tavon Austin has the biggest contract I've ever seen. Someone give a wide receiver out of Juanita High School. <laughs> Most expensive Walters ever. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Like, I, he was right. I mean, I saw that. I watched that game because I love to torture myself. That was, He got a lot of targets. He was awful. Keenum was awful. Where, where do you want to start? You started okay. with the receiving core. Go ahead, Nathan. If six of those targets goes to Kenny Britt, you know, six more, so it's 12 for Britt and six for Austin. Maybe the Rams don't end the game with you know 195 total yards. Are you th- are you saying it ends 28 to three? Is that what you're saying? Nathan? Yeah, I'm saying they might have got a field goal. All right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and this is crazy. So, the here's my theory. You know how Jeff Fisher made the comment about you know contributing in the regular season after the last preseason game. So many good quotes. Do you think that he forgot that this was the regular season and was still trying to hide Tavon Austin? Is that what happened? He wasn't here? hiding him. No. He targeted him twelve times. It was it was awful. I let's let's move to the Rams offensive line. How was that? Uh well Case Keenum had set three point seven yards per attempt. And uh Todd Gurley had two point eight yards per carry. Well, See the thing is when you can't throw it beyond five yards down the field, then the whole team then the defense can just Stack the box, and that's all they have to do. I actually thought San Francisco's defense, Eric Armstead, maybe I under undersold him. You know, I, I wasn't super into the Eric Armstead experience, but maybe he's better than I thought. I don't know. They only got two sacks. It's not like they were it's not like he was under siege or anything, but they could not run the ball. They could not run the ball. And Todd Gurley was like everyone's darling of this is going to be the greatest running back of the 2016 season. I don't think you put this on Gurley, though. Okay. There was no passing game to speak yeah, of. If you take out all the incompletions, he still averaged under 10 yards of an attempt. Like, if you just say all those incompletions, they just didn't happen. He went 17 for 17 with 130 yards. That is still not good. That's it was awful. like they watched every throw Daryl Bevel likes to make and were like, <laughs> we'll do those. Load us up. They won the division. Let's just keep bubble screen. Got it. Uh, quick slant. Got it. Oh, wait. Our guy can't catch it. Oh, well. Still, quick slant. Dial it up. You know, I've watched Case Keenum for a couple years, and he's he's not a, a good quarterback, but he's serviceable. And last night, he looked he looked old. He looked bad. And Jared Goff, like, this guy's supposed to be learning. Like, I don't know yeah, what that he's... Was, that was the quote from, from Jeff Fisher. Take notes, Jared Goff, on what's about to happen. Yeah. And what do the notes look like for that game? At the top of it, it they, says it was what a, not to do. It was a note to his agent going, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> why, <laughs> why did Case Keenum get 3.7 yards per attempt? Like, it's just, it's just so bad. You know, serviceable is the word I would use to describe the other quarterback in this game, Blaine Gabbert, who was not good by any measure, but very serviceable. Yep. Yeah, but he got praised on on national television. Yeah, people are people are talking it up like he was actually good. He was not good. Let's don't mince words. Carlos Hyde, good. Blaine Gabbert, not good. Let's uh, functional. That clear. I want to talk about the Rams defense too. Wait, really right. quickly. Um, Blaine Gabbert is was the quarterback this game that everyone thinks Alex Smith is every game. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. Uh, you want to talk it's about the, deep, you want to talk about Kevin. the Rams defense? I'm going to tell you about the Rams defense. This Rams defense comes into the season. They're vaunted. Everyone loves the Rams' defense. Feared. Oh, their defensive tackles are so good. This team is going to get 11 billion sacks. Well, let me read the names of some people. Zane Beatles, Daniel Kilgore, Anthony Davis, Trent Brown. Don't know who these people are? Well, that's the offensive line members of the 49ers who aren't Joe Staley. And do you know how many sacks the Rams got? Zero. None, not a zilch, zilch, none. They're, their defensive line looked totally overrated. Aaron Donald looked awful. Like, Maybe the worst game he's played his entire career, and it was against the 49ers. I'm totally disappointed in this Rams defense. Well, and you know what I think part of it was? Was tempo. You know, Chip Kelly calls a lot of plays. He keeps the ball moving. He doesn't give you a chance to really catch your breath and catch up. And if you look, Aaron Donald was a player that they tried to rotate off the field frequently, and they did not give him a rest. 
and the depth along that defensive line has dwindled. It's a pretty thin squad with some high-end players, but these are not young, cheap guys that we're yeah. talking about, and I think it's catching up. If if Seattle comes out with the quick-fire passing game, keeps a little bit of tempo, snaps the ball frequently, and if a Fetty's healthy, this is a defensive... This is a defense that you can run on and you can run up the middle on, especially with the strength and power in some of these guards and Brit. Yeah, I felt like they were trapping Dominique Easley on the field. Like they'd noticed that, oh, Dominique Easley's in the game. We're going up tempo now and we're not going to, we're going to trap him on the field so that they can't sub back to Brockers. You know, stuff like that. I think was actively happening in the game. And that kind of stuff is the reason Chip Kelly's going to drag this talentless 49ers roster to probably at least six wins because he's way, He's just operating at a really high level as a coach. As a GM, he's operating at a really low level. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. But Chip Kelly's given the script for how to neutralize this dominant defensive line. Because the safeties don't scare you. The linebackers don't scare you. The corners don't scare you. The defensive line is what scares you. Chip Kelly just gave you the blueprint. Trap Once they sub, trap one of the subs on the field, and then just run the ball, just run it right down the field. Just get, yeah, yeah. And as, as you've pointed out, like <clears throat> they're not they're not old guys, but they're not getting younger. And Robert Quinn, like he looked, he looked like Richard Quinn. Well, he's never been great against the run. That's the whole thing. He's a pin your ears back and go after the quarterback guy. He I mean, terrorizes other teams. Co- he didn't Cody, do any of Cody that. Sensabaugh had nine tackles in this game. Okay, Cody Sensabaugh is a cornerback. You weren't aware. Yikes. That means that they were getting escaped. They were escaping from the front seven, which is the strength of the Rams. They're escaping from the front seven, and this cornerback is having to come up and make the play. That's not a great. Like I said, I was really disappointed in the Rams defense. I don't yeah. know any other way to put it. This is the worst game I've seen them play in probably three seasons. You know what it was? Straight up seven and nine bullshit. That's what it was. This looked more like five and eleven bullshit. Yeah, I was gonna I say think, we might be looking at some three and thirteen bullshit. <laughs> Hopefully, if they're if they're gonna go seven and nine, then you know they're gonna win a game somewhere. Where do you see the the Rams? <laughs> not trying to. Where do you f- see the Rams improving this week against the Seattle? Seahawks? I don't know. If, if they were playing San Francisco at home next week, I would not pick the Rams to win that game after the performance they just put out there. So I'm not gonna pick them to beat the Seahawks at home. That's for damn sure. This Seahawks team is going to run on them, and like I said, they'll probably do exactly what the Rams did. They'll trap some of their subs on the field by playing up-tempo, and that will be that. If Russell Wilson can run, it'll be a blowout. If he can't, it might be a little closer than I would be comfortable with. You know, the thing that I'm looking at is the interior of the Seahawks defensive line. Tyver Rubin, Jaron Reed, Tony McDaniel, Quentin Jefferson— these guys stuffed the run. They plugged up the middle against a decent offensive line for Miami with Arian Foster. And so I don't see why they can't do the same when there's literally no passing game to worry about. Yeah, I was going to say, if we don't stop Todd Gurley in this game with 10 guys in the box on every play, it's going to be, it would be shocking. I'd be stunned if that happened. Bobby Wagner and Cam Chancellor can just crash the run almost every play and it'll work out. So, I mean, yeah, maybe you're worried about getting gashed by the tight end once or twice. I was going to say, Lance Kendricks might have 100 yards receiving. That's the that's like <laughs> the worst thing that could happen. But, but, you know, even Michael Bennett, amazing in the run. Cliff Averill can stop the run. Do we really need to worry about blitz packages for Case Keenum? I mean, this is a real question. Are we gonna Are, are you going to see blitz packages this weekend? Uh, I think you could. I think you could see early in the game the attempt to, to the attempt to put the hand on the forehead of the little brother. Okay. In order to dissuade them from even reaching for the ball, you know, I, I think it's gonna be a lot of four man rushes. San Francisco just showed you don't need to get sacks to disrupt this offense. But I could see some were, stunts where maybe like a defensive yeah, end yeah, falls cool. back and a linebacker overloads one yeah, side, like some tricky blitz, some tricky blitzing. But it's not really blitzing; it's zone blitzes, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Especially with our defensive ends, like we have some defensive ends like Cassius Marsh who can get back in coverage pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that that young body going real fast. Uh, I want to talk about Richard Sherman and possibly having a field day against Case Keenum because you can't. Case Keenum had some big panic throws. Well, and panic throws to the right side of the field are awesome. I get yeah. the I get the feeling that one third of the field is going to be off limits to Case Keenum during this game. Oh, man, I think he's going to forget that. I could see Richard <laughs> really Sherman do. being really baiting him on like one of those short passes to Austin and. Everyone forgets how fast 
Richard Sherman right, yeah. closes on the ball. I could see him just running through Tavon Austin's chest and <laughs> stealing the ball away on one of those and just taking off. I could see, I could see Earl having one of those games where he's all the way on the left and runs across the field because let me tell you something about Case Keenum. Case Keenum throws ducks. Yeah, yeah that's not good. And Kenny Britt is not a good enough receiver to fight it away. There's Kenny no Britt's the velocity. only receiver on this team that matters. He's the I'm only one that can catch anything Austin. remotely deep. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know when Richard Sherman last had a two interception game. Maybe Nathan, you want to look that up. But if any game that's going to happen again, I would say it would be this game. Let's go into the offensive side wait, for wait, this. Oh, wait, one more. Th- one. Yeah. Oh, we're going to offense. Oh, it's offense of the Seahawks. Oh, never mind. I, that's what I wanted to do. No, we <laughs> go, go, we take on, the reins. We, we, we are on the same page. I want to talk about the fact that we, we didn't run as much as I would have liked. Uh, 40, 43 is a lot of passing attempts for Russell Wilson, and he was accurate. 63% of them went to receivers, but I would like to see that number, uh, go down a little bit. I think we were limited because our rush offense is based on the read option, and then that play kind of got taken out of the playbook when Russ got hurt. Yeah, but it just the first quarter and a half of the game, we were. I mean, I re- remember you remarked about it in the group chat, like we were just overthrowing with Russ. It just seemed like a weird game plan, and I don't know if they're just trying to like, hey, Russell Wilson's the number one quarterback. Here's proof. I think they were trying to help the offensive line with the quick pass game, and to an extent, that's a good idea. But and- the fact of the matter is, especially again, if we can get a Fetty back. This offensive line does best when they can just sell out to block for the run. Yeah, push for the run. They're it, they're strong. That, if yeah. nothing else, there's a bunch of strong, athletic dudes. And we have Michael and Rawls. You could load each of them. I think Michael and Rawls should average between them 18 carries. Yeah, I thought Rawls huh. actually played too much. He didn't look like he was ready yet. And I don't really understand why. If CJ Procise was healthy, if you want to spell Michael, that's fine. But just use Procise to sell him. Don't... Don't waste Rawls on in this situation. I but felt Procise like it, wasn't healthy. That was the problem. I mean, he was on the field some. <laughs> well, he got injured in the second quarter was yeah. what happened. And Rawls basically became the third down back. He caught like five passes. I was just not into Rawls being on the field because like I just, yeah, I caught three passes. I just wish that we saved it. I wish we could have saved him is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I see that. It, it seemed like a total waste to have him out there. Just overuse Michael or whatever. And maybe that's why Tukuafu was back is to really shore up the fact that we need to run more and Russell's not going to be able to run the read option. So here's the hammer. So we can just run out of power formations. So then I'm really hoping that we don't see so much shotgun run inside. No, it's That's not one gonna... of my least favorite plays in the playbook. It's yeah, not going to happen. When Russ is healthy, it's Another bad. thing, too, about Russ is that Lockett had some bad drops in this game. Yeah, right? yeah. He had three drops, which is really uncharacteristic. Yeah, and I, th- I thought Lockett, uh, if, he's, if he cleans that up, that the may offense maybe chugs a little smoother. Because those those were those were kind of back breaking. A couple, two of them. Yeah, they're two first downs. downs. Yeah, one to to Lockett. I mean, they're they're out there passes. Those can be back breaking catches. Well, and Lockett. The whole thing is Lockett is a very sure handed receiver. Yeah. So it's nope. very unusual for him now, to drop. I wouldn't passes. expect it to happen a bunch of times again, unless you know something happened in the off season. You know, he's got some kind of mental issue. Got the, drop, no. got the drop. Got the drop. I don't know. On the preseason, he was he was pretty great. Sti- he had yeah. stick him on his hands yeah, the whole preseason. Uh, let's. Let's look at that last drive against the Miami Dolphins for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Russ looked really great, and he was injured. Supposedly, he's going to be fine this weekend. He's 100%. You know, Pete Carroll's spinning this like nothing happened. How they, much is They didn't bring Tukuafu back if he's fine, to be honest. I don't yeah. think they want to. They didn't want to pay him a, a veteran minimum to be on the roster. They brought him back because they can't run the read option as much this week. You know who is fine? Doug Baldwin is fine. That man finds the soft spot in the defense on every crossing route. He is just the guy that you hate to see if you're playing zone D because he will find that spot in the coverage where it's weak. And Russ just knows if Doug looks like he wants to be open, he's just like, all right, he's going to be open. We can just throw it to him. He is so good at sniffing out that weak point. Doug Baldwin. Curse had a solid game for like our third best wide receiver. If Lockett plays like the way we expect, that if we get that game out of Curse every week, I would be very happy. Yeah, he only got one bubble screen thrown to him. It was it was refreshing. Yeah, Bevel didn't play a great it, game. It wasn't even like a typical bubble screen. It was just a screen outside. And Baldwin yeah. was super efficient. He only got targeted eleven times. He caught nine of them. Yeah, I, and- I think he was in that. He's still in that end of season form we saw from last year. You know, where he was just he was just awesome at the end of last year. Doug Baldwin went from being overly aggressive to like the you know. The wise old owl, and he's 
he's amazing to watch. He's yeah. he's easily the number one player I love to watch. Can we on talk the about a general strategy thing here? Yeah. Now that the kickoffs are coming out to the twenty five, why aren't more teams trying to like create like crater the ball up and get it inside? kick it so that they have to return it or like it's right at the end of the end zone and they will want to return it. I think part of that has to do with the nature of the way that a ball rolls off a kickoff. Cause if you try and air one up and it drifts, then you're giving it to them at the 35 yard line. If it goes out of bounds, even if it touches in the field and rolls out, they still get it on the 35, right? But- That's a risk. But I, also, I think the risk is worth it because the guys, you know, they're, they're, you're going to stop them inside the 25 almost every time. I know from I mean, when we watched a lot of football, you remember what it was like when guys could actually return kicks. Yeah, they weren't getting it out to pass the 25 very often. And now there's no wedge. Yeah, there's no wedge now. Like it's much harder to get the ball. I think if you tried to like mortar it up to like the goal line, teams would get stopped inside like the 15 a lot. You know, and have really, really, really bad field position. I want to see who the first coach to try this is. I don't know. Where I would have thought it would have been Bilicek, but uh, apparently not. Where did but, Miami get out to? They they had a couple return efforts. They had some really stupid ideas where they caught it in the end zone and decided to try and return yeah, it. I mean, that's like and they that, consistently got tackled at like the 16, 18 they had, yard line. They had one really, they had one pretty good kick return with forty five, and then they had two really bad ones. Which that's what I'm saying. The the really bad ones are make it worth it. I'm thinking that makes it it makes it the team it deters them basically you know they they say well you know you can break it sometimes but wouldn't you rather have that extra five yards which if you think about it it's only five yards but that could mean a lot the point expectancy between starting a drive at the 25 and starting a drive at the 20 is 0.5 points per drive that's a lot that's significant over uh, over time you know that adds up quick so the so there's knowing that knowing that like that makes me want to do it more does that make sense Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think Carroll's the kind of innovator. That's not his style. He's not like innovative. I'm going to innovate some really wacky strategy. That's not his style. So I'm interested to see who's the guy that will actually be like, I'm going to innovate this crazy thing. Right? That's yeah. that's what I'm curious about. My money's on Jim Bob Cooter. I, my money. Just want to get one more of those in. My money's on Riverboat Ron. All right, gentlemen, let's get into our picks for the game. I want to hear scores, starting with Nathan. 20 to 10. Yep, that's right. The Rams will score points. Damn. 20 to 10 Seahawks. Kevin? The Rams always play Seattle close. They are a team that really the fly in the ointment, if you will, for this Seattle franchise that's been so successful playing against this 7-9 bullshit that bogs them down every year. (laughs) And and are you saying that are you saying that Jeff Fisher is going to try some of that like crazy like trick punt play and all that stuff? I think he, he he's does. good for at least one of those. Now the fact that we have nine safeties to put on the field means that it might not be as successful. Again, the last time this team was real deep, they could handle a lot of that better. And I also don't think they have a single defensive back that can cover again the speed of a Tyler Lockett if he can. All the ball. Can, can I just say something really quick? Like I know that people say, "Oh, the the Rams play the Seahawks super good," but I think that that kind of stuff is overrated because since 2010, when we got Pete Carroll, the Rams are five and seven against us. It's not like they they're really that good. It's How just many other teams the last, have won that much? Though? The last two years, they've been really good against us, and I think like people, it's like a recency bias thing. They're three and one in the last four games. And so people are like, oh, they must be really good. But that means that before that, they were like 2-6. and six. Yeah, you but know? they played a lot of tight games is what I'm trying to say. Like, they lost, but they played us harder than you'd expect based on their team talent. Or like when we would win the game by 14 in the fourth quarter, it was tied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with, I don't think Russ is going to be able to run. I think that's going to put a cap on the offense. I'm going to take 23 to 11 11 what a funny score i have the seahawks winning 17 to 6 nice i like that one and i have that six a touchdown <laughs> that's funny i have a two-point conversion made and you have a two-point conversion missed yeah or or a uh 
uh, you know, blocked blocked extra points. I love seeing those in our. <laughs> I'd team love to, to see a it. block extra point return just for a score. That's one of my favorite plays in all of football now. Uh, one thing we forgot to do at the beginning of the show because we were rattling on about something. Uh, we got a big announcement right now that I'd love to get. Oh, to. we're gonna do it now. All right, I, I think thought, knows. I thought we were gonna do Seahawks Nest Movie Club first, but you know what? You have to just pout. You have to just listen to me shill for a minute if you want to get to that segment. All right, so I'm gonna show for like 30 seconds. Uh, we are launching a Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to support your favorite creators. Hopefully, that's us. Um, I don't know, but. I tried to make the patron really cool, and I am offering prizes at every rewards level. So um, if you donate $1.24, that's the Marshawn Lynch rewards level. There's a patron-only feed, which will have articles that are exclusive to the feed. So some article will be moving to the patron-only stuff, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if you donate $3, that's the Russell Wilson. Every week, Brett Hancock is going to go live on Google Hangouts, and you get to talk with him about what he feels about the game. And trust me, this will be worth the price of admission <laughs> that by is a itself. Fact. That is if a fact. you like hearing meltdowns live, <laughs> oh man, this win, or be good. win or loss, win or loss, win or loss. He's and good Bre- for at least. And Brett's one. like the uh, you know forgotten fourth man in this situation, so he's going to come up a couple times. If you donate four dollars more a month, you get the Steven Hauschka, which means you get all the previous rewards plus a sticker. Seven twenty, you get the Black Santa, you know, seventy two. All right, the Black Santa, you get it's the credit. We're going to put your name at the end of every podcast. I'm just going to read them all off. Okay, that's pretty cool. Big 20, shouts forever. $25, that's the Richard Sherman level. Just, you know, you get that swag, you get that Seahawks Nest t-shirt. And then that $31 level, the Cam Chancellor, that's right. You get a one-time appearance on the show to be part of Seahawks Nest Movie Club, which I think is the best segment. I'm really biased since it was like my idea. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the Cam Chancellor segment. So, so yeah. Those are our rewards levels for our Patreon. I think they're all pretty cool. And it launched right now when I recorded this. So, you know, one day ago. (laughs) You know what else we should do? I'm going to throw this in because this isn't anywhere. We're going to figure out a way. If if we can get 10 people for the Seahawks Nest movie club level, that, that Camp Chancellor level. Oh, my gosh. If we can get 10 people for that, we will do a Seahawks Nest movie club screening Sometime oh, this yeah. off season, we'll rent, wow. we'll, we'll rent like a little. Uh, we'll get like a local bar to show a movie for us. I actually have some connections in that regard. I will say this: our goal is a hundred dollars per month. Every single dollar that you put into this is going back into the podcast. Anything we have left over after we pay for our hosting, our SoundCloud, uh, uh, we want one really good new piece of audio equipment. Once we get that done, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put it all back into the podcast as prizes and then stuff for you guys. So that's our goal. We don't want this to be as big and as fun as possible. We're not trying to like make money off of this uh this is something we do because we love it and it's something we do and we want to be able to share that with them as many people as possible 100 dollars though if we get to 100 dollars a month that's our big goal we're gonna have an epic live seahawks trivia competition on twitch.tv so i'm really excited about that um that will be really fun uh, i've streamed uh, video games on twitch before so i have some experience in this regard and i think it'll be really cool Nice, Nathan. We're building a Seahawks Nest community here. All right. So uh, now, now that I got my my uh, heartless shilling out of the way, no. And no. before before we go to movie club, I just want to tease. After movie club, which is about to begin in five seconds, Kevin returns with big shouts. Yeah, Stay I got tuned for big shouts. I've got some city-wide oh, no. big shouts Jaylen, coming here. Jalen Rose, we love you. Here big we go. Shouts time. Okay, All right, Nathan. But. Seahawks Nest Movie Club. All right. So this is a segment we started last week. It didn't have a name last week because I kind of just came up with it. It was like a moment of brilliance. You know, one of those rare things where you think of something and, uh, you know, you're just because you're an idiot like 99% of the time. So 1% of the time you got to do something good. That's my life. Um, and so I thought this is a chance to highlight a movie that either not enough people have seen. It's truly great, but it's going to be a little cheesy. So this week we're going to take a look at the movie. Starring Rowdy Roddy Piper oh. and Keith David yes. in the with the all time greatest fight scene. Yes, that is they live. They live. Oh, um, yeah. it's, uh, I'm really sad Brett's not here because this is I know Brett one of Brett's like ten favorite movies. He actually is getting currently trapped in Dallas, Texas because <laughs> American Airlines. He was flying back from Florida. They said, "Oh, we can't get you a direct flight from Florida to Seattle, so we go through Dallas." And now he's stuck in Dallas. Just American Airlines, I have a message for you, and uh, it rhymes with Mo Truck Mo Self. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> release our Brett. Release our Brett. Bring please. him back. Let hey, you know, my you know, this is like Brett. The 
good. I feel like this is kind of like The Martian. Okay, you know, Brett is trapped <laughs> in in Texas, and we need to clearly save a wasteland. Him. He's Matt Damon, and we need to go get him from it. So we're gonna go around the Earth and slingshot back to Texas. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's get back to They Live. What is great about this movie? Why do people need to see it? Literally everything is great about this movie. Starting with the fact it's a John Carpenter movie, yeah. and John Carpenter's responsible for so many beautiful things, including the original Halloween franchise. And John Carpenter's body bags, by the way, should end up making it into a segment here, because a movie clips movie is always good. Maybe we can do that around Halloween. But the other thing, Rowdy Roddy Piper starred in this movie. And yeah. he has so many great one-liners. Yes. The 1984 vibe that is in this movie is just, oh, everything about this movie yeah, this is pristine. This movie is so 80s. It was made in 1988, but it, like, typifies, like, what an 80s movie feels like it so had, much. It had the political message, you know, during the Reagan era. The Big Brother is watching you. This was, like, the very first movie, at least that I can remember, where, like, you're being spied on. And you're being coerced into doing things you don't want to do. Here's a movie about it. Such a huge political message in this movie. And and wrapped within a great sci-fi alien flick with, like Kevin said, great one-liners. Oh, man. Mama don't like no tattletales. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, of course, there's the big one that everyone likes to quote, even if they don't know it's what it's from. Kevin? That would be uh, the line about uh, something about bubblegum, I You've come. I've come here to do two things. To kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Because he says bubble gum because it's Rowdy Piper yeah. and he's hilarious. And I oh, get to man. meet Rowdy, that, Rowdy Piper. So you got Rowdy he was Piper. Amazing. That fight scene between him and Keith David, it's like five and a half minutes long. They're fighting over these sunglasses, these special glasses that let you, they like. They let they, you see the deception. They, they interfere with a signal. There's like a radio signal that's making it so that everyone is a this movie was the matrix before the alien, matrix. Yeah. aliens walk among us and you wear these glasses and you can see which people are the aliens and which people are the real people and the aliens are kind of control everything in this movie uh these glasses let you see it and they're just brawling this this fight scene is super long it's super intense and i guess like i looked up some production notes on this movie they like legit were beating the shit out of each other and that, like, and they had like legitimate beef after they yeah. filmed the scene because they were like, because they went so hard during the scene. Just yeah. so you know, the cripple fight in yes. South Park is a shot for shot, shot homage yes. of the fight scene from They Live. So if you are a South Park fan and you want to see the inspiration for that, you need to see They Live because I don't want to give any more spoilers out. I don't because if you know the movie. You know this movie's brilliant. Yeah. And it's this, good, this good movie call, is Kevin. punk rock. Also And yeah. if you don't know this movie, go go do yourself a favor. And see and, this movie. And Eric's right. The like the subversive political message in this movie, you know, like when you put these glasses on, you like see behind the curtain. You know, you see like the puppet masters pulling the strings. It's kind of a it's kind of a really rad, like left leaning, like punk rock political message, which is super cool and fun to watch. And also, you know, with the what was the graphic artist a few years ago or five years ago that did the obey signs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's straight out of they live. It's absolutely because you'll see is. you'll see like a, a a billboard advertising pies and we put on the glasses. All it says is obey, consume, and you do not know how many references to this movie you are missing if you haven't seen this movie in your daily life. You things from this movie. Are, are brought out in daily life. Yeah, like other people's art. Street art, street artists like Shepard Fairley. Fair, is it Fairley or Fairy? Fairy. I, I've looked at his street art and his street art is super inspired by They Live. He does tons of pieces that are like the skeleton with the, with the body and it says obey behind it. You know, that stuff is like, he's, he's super inspired by this movie because it just, it inspires other art because it's so rad. Like, yeah. There's something just super rad about this movie. And remember that, going back to that fight, that fight is all about one man refusing to put on a, a pair of sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. It and gets no more 80s than that. That's it, yeah. And they're cheap sunglasses, too. <laughs> they're like blue blockers, almost. Yeah, they're absolutely, yeah. they're a song that ZZ Top would sing about. <laughs> uh, you know, in closing, for me, the last thing I'll say about this is the reveal of what's going on. It's... The, the, the twists and turns this movie takes are great. Also, the very last scene of the movie, and I'm not going to say anything about it except 
Why not? Just spoil it. It's a 20 year old movie almost. No, because. No, I'll just say. Then you've already seen it. Yeah. It is our, it is, but the thing is, this movie is criminally underseen. Like you ask, ask 20 people you know who, who have they seen this movie and I bet you 10 of them have it and. You were worried that I hadn't seen it. At least five of them should have. But what's the last line of the movie? Hey baby, what's the matter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, this is a this is a underrated classic. So I just wanted to. It's the, you know, it's not it's not maybe yeah yeah yeah. It's on. It's above blood sports level. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, but this movie is not for everyone. But if it is in your wheelhouse, it is so far in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's it's like it's so far in my wheelhouse. For if sure. you like brainless movies, this isn't a brainless movie. No. You know, cover thirty two. This movie is something I love as much as Daryl Bevel loves bubble screens to receivers <laughs> that have no run after catch and runs up the gut on first down. I love They Live that much. Like, it, in my closing, now I have to go home and watch They Live sometime yeah, in the next I, few days. I'll tell you this. When I like, I thought about doing this movie earlier this week and I, it was really hard for me not to just rewatch it a bunch of times this week. I just watched it once. And I was like, oh, yeah, this movie is as good or better than I remember. The fight scene was the most striking thing to me, though, because I think I forgot how long it is. It just goes and goes and goes and yeah. goes and, and it's goes. good the and whole time. And it's interesting and entertaining the whole time. It's not even that long of a movie. And Keith David, like, great actor. If, yeah, Keith David he's is in everything. underrated. If you don't he's know who so Keith David stuff. is, you'll see him go, oh, I know that guy. He's in everything. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're ready. Real, real great job, Nathan. Nathaniel Santo, a great pull. What I think is the best part about this segment for me is because they told me, I said in the middle of the week, should I tell you early so you can watch it or keep it a secret? And they said, keep it a secret. And then that excitement level that the two other podcast members had on their faces as I was like revealing what I was going to say was very satisfying. So I guess I will keep it a secret. And and honestly, it was special for me because I got to meet Roddy Piper before his passing and, uh, that was that was awesome, and I talked to him about They Live, which is you know yeah. still very cool. He, just, he, he seemed like a really cool, down to earth, normal guy. Like he lived on a farm in Oregon, you know, just a one of the super nicest men dude. I've ever met. Absolutely, yeah. But he played a jerk on TV for years, and <laughs> yes. years and years. <laughs> yes, and my and my brother, one of my one of our favorite old school WWF superstars. Look at, look at him with Fat Eric. Look at him. Look at him with Fat Eric. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so uh, yeah, wrap hit it us up. up. Hit us up on Twitter. We're Seahawks Nest. You can email us. We're podcast at fromthehawksnest.com. Interact with us on Facebook at Seahawks Nest. Check out our new Patreon. Thank you very much, Nathan. You know, interact. We're on SoundCloud. That's probably where you're getting this feed. And give us some likes. Give us some shares. But don't even worry about doing it digitally. Just talk to your friends about the experience. Yeah, tell and your friends build the that, community. Tell your friends that listen to podcasts about this cool Seahawks podcast that you listen to because that's that's what we really want. We just want more people to uh, listen to what we're doing and you know give us give us the the, the, the feedback. You know, give us the in, the talking. We want to talk to us. Oh, yeah. So big shouts. I'm I'm lonely. <laughs> uh, me, people you? that are not Treat making us lonely. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old school from the Hawks. Yeah, that's joke right there. Of my thing. And that, I, by the way, I caught that one. That was Seahawks Nest. <laughs> <laughs> so big shouts. I want to big shouts for three places that when I was looking at where we were getting listens, I was I was shocked. Ashburn, Virginia. Big shouts to Ashburn, Virginia. Huge Seahawk fan base in Ashburn, Virginia. Hats off to you. Eagle River, Alaska. What? Big shouts to Eagle River, Alaska. Where do you know? Do you know where Eagle River is? Is it close to? It's Soldotna? in Alaska. Okay. All right. That's good enough. Uh, and very close to Russia, I hear. Calican City, Philippines. I'm st- I'm saying there's a military base there. We have some international flavor to our listening. If you are from one of these three places, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up somewhere. Because I want to hear what your connection to the Seahawks are. You know, I would love to hear back from you. If you can hit me up, I will give you a big shout personally, not just your city. And so, if, if you're these, if you and if you're one of these spam bots that's following us, please stop. It's so exhausting to delete these. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every week. I have to go through and delete like five fake followers. So if you're a fake follower and you're listening, why? And, if and they're stop. listening, they're not a fake follower. Stop. This is the opposite of a big shout. Please. Okay. All right. right. I'm just saying the person from the Philippines might be the stupid fake follower. 
There are the, many people, though. All we three have, of them. We have. We have <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, tune in next week when we go over the thrashing of the Rams for Kevin Garber, for Nathan Santo, for the trapped in hell Brett Hancock. I'm Eric Ronnebeck. Go Hawks. Arietta. <laughs> <laughs>